Father, we thank you. We just pray that you would have your way with us just now, this morning. God, we lift up every single soul in here this morning, and every single person that's watching online. God, we pray that you would change our hearts and renew our minds. Father, it's on our heart for Israel, and so we lift them up to you. We know that there are Christians in Gaza, there are Christians in Israel, and there are people who love you in both of those areas. And God, we just pray for safety for them. We pray that this conflict would be resolved soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have to tell you, I was just telling um, Sandy, I love I love you guys. Uh, Mark, you're back. You're back. I mean, I, we did this last week, but how many of you guys are snowbirds that are back now? Would you all stand? Would you all stand real quick? You didn't get enough exercise in worship. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Good job. Man, I, it, it is so great. It's great to be alive. It is great to be here in Venice. And you know, one of the things that I have picked up over the last couple of years <laughs> since I moved down here is golf. Now, I didn't golf much in Orlando at all. I played like two times a year for a scramble. And, then, you know, you just hit it as hard as you can and hope for the best when you're playing in a scramble. But down here, I've picked this up. And you guys largely are part of that reason because if I wanted to spend time with you, I had to either do it on the pickleball court or the golf course. <laughs> You know, and so, uh, but I'm used to, I'm used to um, team sports. That's what I've played all my life is team sports. Golf's more of an individual sport because you're at least playing in your mind more than anything else. I mean, it's so much in your mind. This golf game is just so challenging. And you guys have been very, very patient with me as I have just been trying to learn to keep up with you. But a lot of you have given me so much advice, you know, do you ever golf? For those of you who are golfers, you know the people that give you advice on every little part, and you have so many things to think about, and if you don't know this, this is the way it is with golf. It's the most challenging sport by far that I've ever been a part of, but you know, they'll say, okay, you got to interlock your fingers, okay, interlock your fingers, you got that, you know, you got to make sure you turn your wrist over, the, drop that shoulder, you know, and, and, and you keep the club head over here, put the ball in the middle of the stance here, turn this foot out, you know, bend that leg, now tilt this way. Look over. All right, you're ready. Swing. I can't even move, let alone swing, you know. There's so many, many things to think about. And if you're not careful, it actually can mess with your mind. You can get up there and you just, you're just all apart mentally. And it messes, golf messes with your mind more than any other sport I think I've ever been a part of. And over the next few weeks, I want to see if we can mess around with our minds just a little bit, because here's why. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Now, when it comes to golf, I'm not that great yet. I'm getting better, but whether I play well or not mentally with golf is no big deal. I'm really out there for the friendship and the exercise and getting to hang out with you guys, but when those same battles of the mind affect everything that we uh, need to do, uh, everything in our life, when those same battles affect our mind, we need to do everything that we can to develop the mind of Christ, to develop the mind of Jesus. And 
I'll just be transparent. Robert was transparent with you today. I'll be transparent with you. If you're like me, I constantly wrestle in between the world of faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. Now, by the way, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. In fact, oftentimes my doubt has actually fueled my faith. But I want to have a faith that can move a mountain. That's what I want. I want to have a faith that can move a mountain. But often I wrestle with a fear that paralyzes me, if I'm just honest with you. And then on the one side, I want to trust God with everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him as he makes your path straight. I want that. I want to trust God with everything that I have. But then the other side, I actually, I kind of like to have control too, you know? Are you guys, am I the, I'm not the only one, yet, right? So I want to have, I want to have the confidence that God promises us that we are more than conquerors, and yet sometimes the battle that goes on up here in this noggin is that my insecurities keep me from trusting God completely, if I'm just true truthful with you. Why? Because most of life's battles are fought in the mind. And if we can take our thought life captive, we will be better equipped to live a more productive and transformed life with Jesus. You know, everything we are trying to do here at Centerpoint is not to become more religious, but to become more and more and more like Jesus. In fact, holiness uh, in our lives does not lead us to Jesus. It doesn't. Holiness does not lead us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to holiness. Holiness does not lead us to Jesus, but Jesus will lead us to holiness. And so the goal is to always become more and more and more like Jesus, to draw closer to Jesus. And when we do that, our lives are transformed and particularly our minds are renewed. And as a result, we do become more holy, but not holier than thou, right? And the more we become like Jesus, the better our thoughts will be in our minds and having the mind of Christ. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down, I want you to see this, the strongholds of human reasoning knock down the strongholds of our human thoughts, and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture, we capture their rebellious thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. Now, we talk about strongholds a lot uh, when you go through Rooted. Um, Rooted is our 10-week tw- our uh, discipleship experience of what it's like to follow after Christ. Our next one coming up will be in, in January. There's one that's going on, one session that's going on right now. But we talk about strongholds a lot inside of Rooted. And a stronghold is anything that keeps us from being all that God has in store for us to live a fulfilled life. And Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And if you were here last week, you saw Pastor Mike did just an amazing job uh, with the message last week, but a portion of the message that he was talking about was the sin and the wrong thinking of the Corinthians. And Paul was trying to reshape their thinking because wrong thinking and human reasoning is absolutely a stronghold in our lives. Unless we can reframe our thinking, we actually end up living a life of fear 
more than a life of faith. And so I want to say this, and this is a key thing. You want to tweet this today, or is it still, how do you say that now? Is it still tweeting if it's on X? I don't even know if that works. I've never used that before, but anyway, here's one that you want to put down in your notebook. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. This comes from, the, this comes from a great Bible verse in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. And I like the way the New King James Version, I don't usually use that version, but I like the way the King James Version reads. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think, so you go. As you think, so you go. Just like you are what you eat, You are what you think. And if you think you can, you probably can. If you think you can't, then you probably can't. If you dwell on the problem all the time, if you're just dwelling on the problem, you can become overwhelmed, you can become worried. But if you're looking for solutions, most of the times you'll find some, you know? If you're constantly thinking you're the victim, you probably are. I mean, we're part, that's one of the growing cultures in our culture is the victimization culture. If you're constantly thinking you're a victim, you probably are. But if you believe what God tells you that you are more than a conqueror, you can be. Now, this isn't just a, a self-help positive sermon thing. You know, this isn't just some, some psycho babble self-help. But scripture talks about us having right thinking and having the mind of Christ. Let me, let me use another golf illustration. I kind of put it this way. This is kind of a cheesy one, but um, one of my best friends gave me his putter that was his wife's who had passed away. And uh, it was very, you know, very special. And he gave me this putter. Well, I was having trouble with using the putter. <laughs> it, it wasn't going in the hole very well. And so anyway, my other good friend who's a PGA pro, and we were talking, I said, hey, tell me about this putter. This is a gift from a friend. He goes, that putter's amazing. He goes, that putter's like worth $200. You can't even hardly find those putters anymore. You've got, what you've got there is a gold mine. That's just a fantastic putter. Let me tell you what. I have a new relationship with that putter now. I have been putting the ball like I never have before. I'm going, yeah, I love this putter. This is an amazing putter. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, my thoughts about my putter changed drastically because I was told how good it was and how you can do it. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. We live in a world that feeds off of negativity and it feeds off of fear. It does. We can look at our media. I mean, you just don't have to look far at all to see that. We look at our media for an example, and our media companies know that fear sells viewership. And so the more the media can instill fear within the hearts of, of people, the more viewers they have, the more viewers they have, the more money that they will receive. And so it comes down to fear, you know? I mean, everything, even especially in Florida. I mean, you know, I know we have to take hurricanes seriously, but every single time the wind blows, it's like, Hurricane Idalia headed and barreling for wiping out Florida, you know? And it's like, dun, dun, dun. You know, it's like, wow. They just kind of ramp it up. They ramp up that Fear, and I'm an avid news reader. I, I mean, I really do. I'm, and I'm a sucker for an article that instills fear as well. So I just thought for, for fun this week, I thought I'd just share some of the articles that I was tempted as clickbait and I clicked on them, you know. Here's, here's one, New York Post. These are all this week. New York Post, 
Devil Comet, three times bigger than Mount Everest, explodes and is now heading towards Earth. Oh, no. <laughs> Click. There's a 0.05% chance that in the year 3,422, this comet might hit the Earth. You know, but that's not what the headline said. You know, you watch that. Top Russian official says nuclear war is imminent. Oh, no. You know, bees may become extinct, leading to global famine. Oh, not the bees. You know, <laughs> squatters can take over your home and there's nothing you can do about it. That was in the news. You know, financial guru predicts, predicts complete. You can say it. Financial guru predicts complete economic collapse for the global economy in 2024. Uh, common fungus might fuel Alzheimer's. No more mushrooms for me. You know, whatever. You know. Here's one. This one instilled a lot of fear in some of you. I know. Taylor Swift might break up with Travis Kelsey. What? Yeah, right? Almost didn't get out of bed that day. <laughs> I mean, isn't it true? By the time you read these news articles, because see, what happens is, I, I, I mean, I just get up sometimes. Sometimes I don't even get up. My iPad's right by my bed, and I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll grab my iPad, and I'll start reading. And I'm like, oh, the world's terrible. This is terrible. You know? But just like I am trying to rethink what I put inside my body, I really am. I'm trying food-wise. You might not be able to tell that, you know, but hopefully in, in a year from now you will. I'm not saying this same thing over again, but I'm trying to rethink what I put into my body these days, but I'm really trying to rethink what I put into my mind as well. Here's why. The life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. The life we have is just a reflection of the thoughts that we think. It's true. One of the things I'm amazed about is our, we have a finance team here that helps manage the, uh, the finances of all the, all the tithes and offerings and donations and stuff, and then make sure we're good stewards. And we have just a fantastic team of people. Uh, Lori Wallace, is our, is, uh, she's a nonprofit specialist. That's what she does with fundraising for nonprofits and managing that. Todd Bartley is the director of finance for Agape Ministries. And then we've got Michelle Kinsella as a CPA. And every month they do like an audit. It's like having an actual audit. I mean, these guys are so brilliant, way beyond me in, in the financial world. And it's like an audit every single month. And they're taking an inventory and they're looking at everything that comes in and where it's going. Are we doing the right things? Are we spending the money? The right? and, and it's awesome to have that kind of accountability and the budgeting aspect and everything. But here's the thing I think. Every single one of us should do a thought audit. Every so often, Every so often, we should do like a thought audit. And here's what I mean by a thought audit. It's real simple. You know, so if you look at the thought audit here, if you look in your life and if you find yourself being worried all the time, where would you put yourself? Where would you mark? Would you give low marks for you? Are you in the below five category for worried? Or do you wake up in the morning and just, no matter what, even with the news on Israel, even with the news on Ukraine, even with nuclear war, even with Taylor Swift, are you like, do you wake up and you just go, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king, and God's got this. I can't wait for this day to get started because God is so, so good. And if the world ends or if Jesus comes back today, all the better. 
Let's get up and have a good one. You know, if that's more you on the 10 side, I'm not there yet. <laughs> if that's you on the, that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but hopefully I could get there. If that's you on the peaceful side, that's great. If you're on the worried side more, you need to do a little personal inventory and figure out what it is, what it is that's causing you to live a life that's more worried. Are you on the negative side of things or are you on the positive side of things? You know, when you wake up, are you thinking, oh, I've got to go do this? Or do you wake up and you go, I get to go do this today. You know, think I was reading, this was an article I read that was a positive article this week, and it was talking about how to change your mentality from negative to positive. And it was like, you know, instead of waking up and going, oh, I have to go to the dentist today to have this tooth extracted. You know, what if you say, you know what? I live in an area and a time where I get to go to the dentist and have my tooth extracted and saves my life, you know, whatever. That's, again, exaggeration. <laughs> you kind of want to smack those people if they're really that positive sometimes, right? Right? Just kind of smack them around just a little bit. But where are you at on that? Are you living a life negative or positive? We see throughout the history in Israel that negativity is what killed the Israelites and then positive. You know, people that are thinking positive and thinking and focusing their thoughts on heavenly things, not worldly things. Are you thinking about the worldly things and are the worldly things dragging you down or are you thinking about eternity? Where is your mind? Set your mind on eternity. Here's when I'm at my best, okay? When I'm at my best is not when I wake up and reach around and grab my iPad and open it up and start reading Google News. That is not when I'm at my best. When I start my day that way, I can tell a huge difference when I start my day that way. Here is when I'm at my best. When I'm at my best, I, I, my routine is I will get up and I will get up out of bed. I don't open my iPad. I go and I grab my, I got, I grab my phone, okay? A little, I know it's weird, but, but my phone has the Bible app on it, my reading plan. And I actually sit by myself drinking my coffee and I start my day focusing on God and praying and I'll do my uh, reading through the YouVersion app and it's a devotional. Uh, there's multiple ways to do that. I just find that one to be fantastic and it's really, it's really a great app. I'll, I'll put a picture of that app up if you've not used that before at the end of the message today. But here's the thing. I'm at my best when I start my day that way. When my mind is focused not on the things of this world, not on all the events that are happening, but my mind is focused on Christ. It radically will change your life. But you need to do a thought audit sometimes to figure out, okay, if I'm worried or if I'm negative, what's causing that? Because you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. You can't live a life of peace and hope when you're thinking about all these things that are troubling us so much. You know, one more, one more golf illustration. I was doing all this stuff, you know, I was trying to think about all these things, and I was playing. One of my best friends is a golf pro, PGA pro, and so whenever we play together, it's just so, I, I always play my worst. I'm terrible when I play with him, and I find myself having to make excuses, you know. Well, I don't usually hit the ball this bad. I don't know, you know, whatever. And I go, what am I doing wrong? And he goes, well, I think you've developed the disease of TTDM. TTDM, oh, no, is it fixable? Yeah, it's really fixable. What does it mean anyway? He goes, you're thinking too darn much. <laughs> I edited that for you guys. But, you know, you're thinking too darn much. Don't think about it too much. Go have a good time. Swing the club, you know. And, you know, this is actually don't think too much. Don't think too darn much. Do you know this is actually biblical? 
And it comes from one of my very, very favorite stories in the Bible that Jesus, that Luke describes here about Jesus. And it seems like a sideline story, but for me, it is so important in my life. And, it, and, and it's just amazing. Here, here's, here's a little bit of the background before we get to the text here. It says, of all, of all the people that Jesus interacted with during his three-year ministry and teaching, I really only know of one person who he kind of zeroed in on and basically said what I'm saying this morning where he goes, hang on, hang on here. I think you're thinking about this too much. I think you're TTDM. You, you have just too much worry. You, you're thinking too negatively. I think we need to sort this out. And her name was Martha. Her name was Martha. Little known fact, uh, Jesus had hundreds of followers during his ministry. However, he only chose a precious few in his inner circle, you know, Peter, James, and John. And then there were three others, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were brothers and sisters. And they lived in a little town right outside of Jerusalem uh, called Bethany. It still exists today. And they had a guest room that they kept just for Jesus. And Jesus used it from time to time. And he appreciated it a lot. We can see that from some other texts. And now what's happening is, before we get to this, the demand on Jesus is growing these days. He's teaching and The more he teaches, the more people want from him, you know, as they would. They want more healings. They want more miracles. And they just kind of want more of everything that Jesus has to offer. And so from time to time, Jesus would even reach his limit. If you think about that, God in the flesh even reaches his limit. And he would just kind of call a time out and he would retreat. And he would spend time with the Father. Most of the time, that was where he retreated and spent time with prayer. But he also would spend time at the home of his three friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he would wind down for a day or two. One time, Jesus stops in to see his three friends. And here's what our text says in Luke chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's uh, feet listening to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my deadbeat sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Deadbeat wasn't in there. I just added in. (laughs) You tell her to help me. And Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about so many things. But few things are needed, or really, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. Because you can see, you can kind of see, if I, if I try to bring this to life in my mind anyway, I don't want to add to Scripture, but I just, if I'm thinking through this, kind of picturing the scenario and the smells and the sounds and, and, the, and, and how the reactions were and conversations, you can kind of see this thing shaping up from a mile away. And Jesus makes kind of an unplanned visit to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Apparently, Lazarus is not there for the day. There's been no proper time for preparations for Jesus. And Jesus has been out teaching and arguing with the Pharisees and his critics. And he's been healing and and praying. And so he just wants to stop by. He just wants to kind of get out of ministry mode for a moment and just take a breath of fresh air here. He just wants to hang out with some replenishing and trusted friends. So one of the sisters, Mary, when he comes, she just kind of pulls up a chair. And I can just kind of imagine her, you know, saying to Jesus, Jesus, it's so good to see you. 
So glad you stopped by. How's it going out on the road there? How big of a pain in the butt have those Pharisees been to? You can tell us. We're your friends. What you share in Bethany will stay in Bethany. So glad that you're here, Jesus. And so they're just catching up, you know. They're just catching up together. Meanwhile, the other sister, she runs into the kitchen to get a meal going. And if you ever get these two sisters confused, who's Mary and who's Martha, the ornery one is Martha. And so just as a little memory jog for you, you might think, you know, Martha Stewart. So <laughs> we got some Martha likers in here. Just a memory jog. So Martha is frantically, she's trying to tend to the physical needs of Jesus, getting the food and the hors d'oeuvres and the drinks and whatever, getting everything ready. Mary's in the great room just catching up with Jesus. So there's no worries, right? Division of labor. No, wrong. It's not good at all. And after a few minutes, Martha kind of snaps. I mean, she sort of blows a gasket. She's ticked. And she doesn't peek around the corner. You ever have this, guys? I don't know if your wives have ever done this, but, you know, you ever have your wife peek around the corner at you? You go, you better get in here. You better get in here. You better get in here right now, you know. She doesn't do that. She doesn't peek around the corner. She doesn't go in and bang the pots and pans around, you know, and slam the cabinet doors, hoping somebody will recognize that she needs help here. You know, she doesn't do any of that. Martha doesn't do any of those things. What she does is she bursts into the conversation that Mary's having with Jesus in the other room, and she's ticked. Now, what's funny to me, this is, this is hilarious to me. She doesn't even address Mary. She doesn't even talk to Mary. She goes straight to Jesus on this. And remember the first words that come out of her mouth, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? I mean, I mean, I find that to be so ironic, right? I mean, Jesus is the one who left the glories of heaven, put on some human skin. He bled and died for the redemption of the world. He's been out on the road teaching. He's absolutely exhausted. And now Martha's beating him up saying, you know, you're a cold, uncompassionate person. Don't you care? And don't you care that my deadbeat sister, you know, is, and don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? And then Martha's just getting warmed up. I sort of picture her having a cooking spoon <laughs> right in her hand, you know, and she gets up right in Jesus' face and she says, you tell her to help me. You listen to me, Mr. Jesus. You tell that lazy sister of mine to help me in the kitchen before I do something with this spoon. So again, he's just stopping by for some R&R and he's like, ay, ay, ay. What's going on? There's a wild woman shaking a spoon in my face in Jesus' reaction. I love this. He doesn't escalate the thing. He doesn't say, you know, Martha, this is so inappropriate talking to the Son of God this way. <laughs> the text just says, he goes, Martha, Martha, which in first century is like us saying, Martha, 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 <laughs> you know. Hold on a minute, Martha. You're worried. You're worried about so many things. Just hang on a minute, right? Just relax. And then he just says ever so kindly, he says, you know, you're so worried. You're upset about so many things. He doesn't accuse her of anything bad. He's just making an observation here. And he goes, Martha, Martha, put, put, put the spoon down. Take a couple deep 
breaths here. Because I can just tell, I mean, you're overwhelmed. You're really overthinking this whole thing. You're exhausted. And using the words that I'm concerned about in our church for you and me, he says, there's so many things that are occupying your mind right now. So, so many, many things that you just have all churned up on the inside, you know? And you're making my visit so much more complicated than I wanted it to be. And I picture Jesus kind of saying, Martha, can I just simplify, can I simplify this for you a little bit, please? Whenever I stop by the house, it's, it's basically just for friendship. It's basically for connection. You know, whenever I'm visiting, I, I'm looking for some life-giving, some life-exchanging engagement or fellowship. That's, that's it, really. I mean, hey, if I wanted a five-star dinner, I could have arranged one. I mean, I've just fixed five, a dinner for 5,000 people a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I made some awesome Chardonnay at a wedding reception. <laughs> I can arrange food and drink anytime, anywhere. And then, and then there's this very rich part in the story where Jesus says, there's really only one thing that's needed, Martha, only one thing. Really, whenever I come, there's just one thing that's needed. And Mary, Mary gets it. She's chosen that good part, and I'm not going to take that away from her for a second to send her into the kitchen. And again, what Jesus is saying here in quite clear language, whenever I come for a visit, I come for one thing, the exchange of love, the exchange of conversation. And I'm not going to send Mary back into the kitchen for a dozen things that don't even make my top ten list anyway. And Martha, you need to come sit down with us because your heart is actually yearning for and the antidote to all your overthinking and your distractions going on in your life right now, you know the antidote is not found in the kitchen. The antidote is found right here where Mary's at with me. That's it. The antidote is leaving that stuff in the kitchen and coming out, sitting down, having some unrushed conversation with me and your sister because we're going to talk about how great our father is. We're going to talk about how deep his love is. We're going to have a ball out here. So Martha, put the spoon down. Put the spoon down. Come on out here. Let's talk. Don't you love that? That Jesus says, all that other stuff can wait. Just come. Spend time with me. That's the most important thing. And I was just thinking for me in my life, because I know I'm just like what Robert was sharing. I can be worried all the time. I can look at all this stuff. And I just know for me, if I want to develop more of the mind of Christ, and if you want to develop more of the mind of Christ, and if you want to have a life filled with more hope and peace and happiness, less stress, replace the negative thoughts with the positive ones by simply spending time at the feet of Jesus. The problems are all still going to be there, but how you frame them now will drastically change your outlook. All right, here's what I, here's what I want to try. I've, I've done this challenge. I've actually done this challenge to you. I do this every so often. Um, and, and a lot of the message comes out of what I'm dealing with in my own life. You know, that's just a normal thing. It's just natural. But here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to commit to this for one week. And I'm going to ask you to commit to it for one week. And then you come and share with me any stories that happen. Tell me any God stories that happen because you did this. Okay. Um, whatever it is that's causing you worry and negative thoughts, maybe it's the news, maybe it's the social media, the social media, the social media, the Facebook, or whatever it is that you're doing where you're gathering information that could be unhealthy for you, whatever that is, would you 
fast from that for one week. Just choose not to even watch it for one week. You know what? It's going to be just like General Hospital. 14 years later, I still know all the same characters. And, and so just, 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 just put it away for one week. And when you get up in the morning, open up your Bible and begin to read in one of the Gospels. Read John. Read Matthew. Spend time in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. For one week, get up and begin to spend your day, start your day doing that. Just see, imagine what would happen if every single one of us that are struggling with worry, that are struggling with those thoughts, negative thoughts and racing thoughts and thoughts that just the things that are going on in the world. What if we just put all that and we fasted from that for one week and we just spent time at the feet of Jesus? Left the kitchen, leave the kitchen, leave the kitchen. Just come and spend time with Jesus. That's your homework for this week. I think, is there, a, is there a, a picture up there? Yeah, if you don't have that, I just recommend it. Paper Bibles work too. They've been working for thousands of years. But um, this is a great app for you right here. So if you need that, uh, we'll just leave that on the screen for you. If, you. if you need that, you can find that app. It is great. You can find all kinds of, of readings and stuff on there. Okay, let's stand together. And uh, we'll close out in a song here. And if you have any prayer needs, prayer concerns, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, during this song or after the service, you can come up here to your left in the front, and we'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for per- giving us permission to leave things in the kitchen and to just come and spend time with you and be at your feet. We pray, Lord, that you would renew our minds through this new series over the next few weeks as we develop more of the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.